The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Gwen and Mercy Academy High School, the Sisters of Mercy, or any related affiliate. Welcome back to the Monarch Impact Podcast. I'm Brenna Scollin, and I'm a sophomore at Gwinnett. And I'm Erin Remo Clemens. I'm the Director of Alumni Engagement here at Gwinnett and a member of the Class of 2012. Today, we're interviewing retired Colonel Marlena Ventresca Parker, who graduated from Gwinnett in 1986. After her graduation, she was appointed to Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, Colorado. There, she excelled at gymnastics and achieved All-American status. In 1990, Marlena graduated from AFA as a second lieutenant, and she went on to fly many air refueling missions over the Persian Gulf. Marlena then married Boyd Parker, and together they were assigned to Travis Air Force Base. In 1994, Marlena was promoted to captain and became an an aircraft commander. During this time, she flew missions over Serbia and Macedonia and participated in Operation Allied Force. In 1999, Marlena left active duty to begin a new chapter with United Airlines. She flew the 737 Guppy out of San Francisco International Airport. She and her husband welcomed their first child in 2001. Following the attacks of 9-11, she returned as a major to the Air Force Reserve at TAFB in 2002. In 2011, she was promoted to Lieutenant Colonel and assigned to the Pentagon in the National Military Command Center. Shortly after, she was back in the air as the first female commander at the 73rd Airlift Squadron at Scott Air Force Base. In April 2020, Marlena retired from the United States Air Force with 26 years of service. Marlena has been awarded numerous medals, culminating at her retirement with a Legion of Merit. At this year's reunion, she received the Government and Legal Trocare Leadership Award. She continues to serve her community as admissions liaison officer for AFA. Marlena is currently flying the 777 for United Airlines, where her passion is to inspire our next generation of pilots. Hi, Marlena. Hi. Hi. How, How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Perfect. This is Brenna. Hi. She's a sophomore, right? Yeah. Sophomore. Um, you. Yeah, you too. and um, this is her first uh, podcast interview, so okay. she's very excited. We've been prepping for this and excited to chat with you. How was your um, weekend at, oh, at Gwinnett? It was so special. Thank you so much for that prestigious award. Of course. I was so excited that you were chosen and so deserving. Um, yes. And we're excited to to learn more, a little bit more about you and, and share it with our, our audience. So you said that Mrs. Kaidel, your guidance counselor, was a huge influence on your journey. Were there any other teachers that helped you along the way? I think that um, Cindy Conway was also very influential in my journey to Air Force Academy. And um, the great preparation from um, Carol McMichael, she was my Latin teacher. So that I think gave me some testing heads up on some of the curriculum at the Air Force Academy. And then for sure, Senora Roosh, 
Uh, she was my Spanish teacher and she set me up well because I was able to validate two language classes uh, at the Air Force Academy. So they they were really influential to me. Did they help you like with those language classes? For sure. Yeah, they did. And I think that um, whether it would be like biology that um, Cindy Conway helped me with or the languages, like they set me up for really um, overwhelming support at the academy because then I was able to take different classes and that really set me up for success. Um, what sports were you involved in at Gwennon? I was um, in gymnastics. I went to Central Bucks School of Gymnastics. That's up in Doylestown um, for most of my childhood. I competed for Gwennon in two seasons. And then, but we did not have like a robust team. Like I was an individualist at Gwennon. Did that sport like help prepare you for the Air Force later on? Yes, I was recruited for gymnastics at the Air Force Academy. So I would say that really set me up for success. That's fantastic. I think gymnastics especially is such a physical but also a mental sport. You know, I even we saw with Simone Biles, right, this at the last Olympics, how you know, your, your head can get in the way sometimes of your skill. And I'm sure that really helped too with some of your maybe perseverance and determination in the Air Force as well. Yeah, I think that definitely played a role. Like the idea that discipline is already instilled in you, that carried over for sure. Absolutely. That's fantastic. And so I, I, I also think that um gymnastics is physically intense on your body it's mentally intense like you already revealed but there's a social component and there's a spiritual component to it because I would always like ask God for his assistance in my routines and stuff so that was for sure influential to me as well absolutely yeah and there's like a element of risk you know it's it's a it's not a easy or necessarily always safe um, sport. you're definitely putting yourself and then I'm like experiencing some of those side effects now as I am maturing in life yeah for sure did you always have like that kind of like living on the edge mentality I think so. I was a risk taker. Like I would do cartwheels down my um, hilly driveway. And one time, like I bumped my elbow into a tree and I broke my elbow. But at the same time, like I was a risk taker. Like I just did some crazy stuff in my youth. And I think that definitely set me up for what was going to happen in my future. Absolutely. I was like the kid that was afraid of the monkey bars. I don't, I still don't think I've even like 
properly gotten across <laughs> monkey bars. So I'm impressed. Um, and uh, so as you mentioned, you know, that kind of set you up for life, you know, going into the Air Force. And we mentioned that your guidance counselor, Ms. Kaidel, as well as some of the other Gwynedd uh, teachers kind of helped prepare you for that next step. But what inspired you to decide to go into the Air Force? How did that kind of pop into your head as an, as an oh option? Well, when I was meeting with Mrs. Kaidel, my current guidance counselor, um, I told her I wanted to be an astronaut. And she was like, well, you must um, fill out this application and go to the Air Force Academy. Like she had me vectored on one path, even though I was applying to other schools and getting grants from other uh, colleges, she knew that this was the ultimate um, solution for me. And she even um, garnered all the books that I was gonna discuss with my parents. So yeah, she she really went above and beyond for me. That's fantastic. And so you mentioned you were interested first in being an astronaut, yeah. but you ended up, you know, going another route. How did that happen? And, you know, how did you decide to make that switch um, from well, one I, dream to another? Yeah, I think when I graduated from the Air Force Academy, there was not a direct line to the space program. So I would have had to become a test pilot. And then that would have um, increased maybe my commitments a little bit. But at the same time, when I got to pilot training, I got to see that first step. And it was um, pivotal for me because I was able to do like acrobatics in the T-37 and T-38 and T-1 that I trained in. And so some of those, um, some of those uh, maybe dreams of being an astronaut kind of maybe got subsided because mm -hmm. when I first got to the KC-10, we were in a unit at March Air Force Base where we were active duty. There was two squadrons of active duty personnel, and then there was a squadron of reservists. And these reservists had two jobs, right? They were still in the military, and then they were doing their civilian job flying for a major airline. So at that time, they were really influential on me thinking that in the future, probably I was going to make a change and it wasn't going to be becoming a test pilot and becoming an astronaut. Very cool. And then, so you kind of had to make the choice then, you know, you're going into military service, right? And, and how did that kind of affect or shape your values and kind of how you approach life? Yeah, but that's pretty interesting because the Air Force 
core values are integrity first, service before self, and excellence in all we do. And I felt like at that time in my life, and even as I continued to serve, um, they were perfectly aligned with me. And so I think that um, trusting in that and aligning myself with what God intended me to do, I think was pivotal for me. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm sure some of that service component probably came from your time at Gwinnett as well and, and the importance sure. of that. Yeah, because we are service driven, you know, as um, Mercy Girls. And so I think that was honed in for me as well. Absolutely. And you mentioned you got to especially do some acrobatics in some of your uh, uh, planes and aircrafts. And, you know, you've you've flown a, a variety of crafts over the years. What was your favorite and um, why did you like it so much? Um, I think when I was flying the KC-10, that was such a, a robust mission. We... Um, offloaded gas to smaller aircraft. We could be force extended, meaning we get gas to extend our range. We did channel missions. We did um, fighter drags. So it was really robust. robust. And um, in my experience, um, when I commanded, a multi-ship formation, that was like the highlight of my career. For example, we would go to Elmendorf, Alaska and pick up fighters. So there might be three KC-10s and four aircraft on each of the KC-10s. So this was like a really big formation and uh, yeah, I got to command all of that. So those were really highlights of my career in the KC-10. Very cool. Um, so you mentioned that like gymnastics like provided you with some advantages. What were like challenges that you faced while on duty? Oh, um, in general, um, there was one time when I was deployed and I was in Pujara, United Arab Emirates. And I went down the stairs after we landed to coordinate gas with the technician on the ground. And it was unfortunate, but he did not want to talk to me as a woman. Mm. And I thought I could um, like make a statement or make a stand at that point. But I knew that these were challenges in that neck of the woods of the world even. And so I asked my male co-pilot to go down and coordinate that for me. It was a way to 
kind of diffuse the situation from being emotional for me. Uh, at the same time, we needed to get the gas and continue on with our mission. So that was a, a, a really challenging time for me as a person. But at the same time, I found a good workaround. I couldn't even imagine how frustrating that is. But like, what would you say to anybody that still has the mentality that like women are not fit to be in the military? Well, it's interesting, right? There, like, um, there are increasing ways that they're pulling um, active duty and reserve pilots into the military. And then at United Airlines, we are pushing, and there is a concerted effort to bring the minority population up to 40%. So there is like a robust desire um, to gain women and blacks as minorities into the fold at United Airlines. Good. Yeah, especially coming from an all-girls school where, you know, every leadership position is filled by you know, a female student, you know, you're, there's not a whole lot of that, that kind of mentality here. So then having to um, go and experience it somewhere else can be really tough, but um, also understanding the cultural impact that, you know, of other places and that we're not, we're not all the same everywhere. Um, It's good that you had somebody else who can help support you in that moment. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So you met your husband while you were at the Air Force Academy. How did you balance your family life and your career? Well, when I started um, with like um, many deployments, trust was inherent in our relationship. Um, And we waited 10 years before we had children. So my daughters are now in college or one just graduated. And um, I think that waiting to have a family helped us get experience in the equipment that we were operating at that time. But additionally, when I had children, there were so many people supporting me and helping me along that journey. Yeah, so from my family to my sister who you met Mm -hmm. uh, and um, even my in-laws came and helped, my dad came and helped. So, and at one time we had an au pair as well. Did Did you ever have to go on like a mission with your husband? No. That is not allowed in the military because um, you have seen the movie Band of Brothers and they don't want, maybe you you have seen it, but um, (laughs) I haven't seen it. (laughs) Yeah, check it out. It's a a unique story uh, about a family that was devastated during World War II and they sent a um, complete regiment to get him home to his family. So in the meantime, 
there has there has not been an opportunity for me to fly with my husband but at the same time we could do simulator training together so when we were in a simulator in the same town uh, that was approved um speaking of movies i have seen top gun and you know like i'm not trying to compare your life to a movie but like you know when they're going at like really high altitudes like really fast and like they're like about to faint has it ever happened to you yes when you're pulling g's it can have a pronounced effect on your body so that's like you squeeze your stomach muscles and you clinch your leg muscles and you keep your head back while you're doing a maneuver. And I think that um, that could be a, a solution to passing out, right? But at the same time, if you do these maneuvers, you won't pass out because you're keeping your blood pumping through your body. Also, like, how brutal is that training? Because you have to, like, train your body to, like, not faint. Like, how is that, like... I think it's hard. And, but at the same time, like you might think about that when you do a roller coaster, right? Like you don't want to let your head whip or anything. So you might consider tightening up your muscles in the front or your back or even your neck to um, limit the differences in your head that's very cool I'm sure also like your gymnastics training helps with that too yeah. you have your core your core muscles and yeah. being able to yeah keep keep yourself you know together in those hard times for sure and um for me pilot training was just after the year I graduated so I was like probably in the best shape of my life at that mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were deployed five times for active duty. Can you tell us about the experiences and roles you played while on duty? Yeah, well, I started as a co-pilot in the KC-10 when I had my first deployment. And at that time, we were in a hotel, like a hotel in the United Arab Emirates in a town uh, called Abu Dhabi. And um, after my second deployment, we were moved to um, apartments, like in the direct downtown, and we could go out for dinner and go to restaurants in that area. But after the Kobar towers were destroyed in Saudi Arabia, by a terrorist, they wanted to bring us all on base. So my third deployment ended up being in um, trailers on the base. And then over time, they hardened those trailers to what we now know as dorms. Hmm. So it, it, it did evolve, but it was triggered by that terrorist event. Could you name some of like the places that you've been to? Oh, sure. I have um, 
been to um, South Korea. I have been to the Philippines. I have been to Australia. I have been to Russia when uh, I was flying the C-40. Um, there have been trips to Abu Dhabi. There have tri been trips to Qatar. Um, all through Europe. So we would go to Rhine Main, Frankfurt. Um, we would go to a uh, number of places in Italy um, to include Siganella and Vincenza. So there is our two Air Force bases associated with the Navy. Um, we would fly into Lodges, Azores. Um, so yeah, it's been uh, a complete worldwide operation. When you were like traveling, did you ever get like time, like downtime to like explore the country or was it like all business? I think we stayed on a schedule. And if you needed a guaranteed rest, that would be your time to rest your body versus visiting, you know, or sightseeing. It was about the mission and the mission staying on schedule um, that we were focused on. Absolutely. And um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of high pressure. So I'm sure, yeah, when you got chance to sleep, that was, <laughs> that was what you got to do. But now you get to travel a little bit more, hopefully for, for fun, yeah. um, especially yeah. with your, your current role um, yeah. at United. Yes. And uh, so also something that uh, we know is that you uh, decided after 9-11 to come back to service um, after after this, you know, huge attack on our country. Can you explain kind of how you found the courage to do that and what kind of was going through your mind as you made the decision to return to the military? Well, I had two young daughters at that time and I knew they would be affected if I could find the courage and um, dedicate myself to the Air Force Reserves. So it was um, a trying time, but at the same time, I knew that what happened on September 11th, 2001, could not happen again in our country. So it was my honor to really serve our country during that time. Absolutely. And and to be up in the air, um, I'm sure was incredibly hard and, and scary, um, but important that we had people like you who were willing to step up. And um, so thank you for that service and, and keeping our country safe. Um, we really appreciate it. And uh, can, I, can I ask yeah, you a question? Absolutely. Um, like, what was your first thought when you were in the air and you like heard about what happened? Well, we get um, it's called a um, message on our like printer, and it notified us that we think a aircraft has been hijacked and we were now required to keep our cockpit door locked. 
So that was the first time that we even locked those doors. Um, and then they air traffic control was asking if um, any aircraft was having a problem. And then we were told that we needed to land in San Francisco. So when we landed in San Francisco, the captain at the time told the passengers that um, things were gonna change for their day. And then because there were so many inbound overseas aircrafts, the captain and I stayed um, with our plane and we got it off the gate so more aircraft could come and um, disembark their passengers. Did anybody on the plane like know what was happening? No, at the, not at that time. Yeah. Did you have like access to the news? Like a news <laughs> report? No, we did not have access to the news, but we were learning about it through these onboard communications. Absolutely. Yeah, that's incredibly stressful and and terrifying. Um, but yeah, you have to keep your cool in that moment. And that's good that you were able to to stay with your craft, make sure everybody got off safely and and change plans. Where were you coming from? We were in Ontario, California, returning to San Francisco. Okay. So you were, you luckily got to like be near where you needed to, needed to actually be. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. yes. Um, in um, the future, like they have hardened all of these doors. They are all lockable now. The 777 that I fly on has an external barrier that we um, deploy to increase our safety. Yeah, I'm sure a lot has a lot has changed. And um, you know all the yeah. TSA, right? Like yeah. that is completely um, 180 degree from what it was um, pre 9/11. Absolutely safety measures have yeah completely changed i'm sure you don't know because you were not born yet um and it's crazy to to think that but um yeah what we deal with now at the airport is not how it always was what was it like having that shift from like zero to no security to like having full on metal detectors and you have to take off your shoes and everything no it's crazy because at that time we would even prop open the flight deck door and like let people see what we were doing yeah. out there. It's, it's so bizarre the way the world had to transform. Um, but even sometimes now, even though I have like a badge that um, helps me expedite my TSA experience. Um, sometimes I still get called in and have to go through the whole thing and take my coat off and my shoes off and all of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Crazy how much has changed. Yeah. Um, and over the course of your career, you've 
you've had a lot of roles, right? You graduated from the Air Force Academy as second lieutenant and, and were promoted to aircraft commander. Um, you were the first female uh, commander of the 73rd Airlift Squadron, you know, your colonel. What, you know, what has been your favorite part of your job or what role um, do you think was specifically important to you? Yeah, I think that um, for me, the C-40 mission was amazing. This flew congressional delegations all around the world. And that was my experience in um, Russia. Um, But that was a lonely time for me because I was the commander, the first female commander of that unit. Um, Some of the men did not um, appreciate my role there. So that was a little bit frustrating for me. But I found that the flight attendants, and that is their traditional um, duty title, they did not know that they could um, fight or I don't know if fight's the right word, but um, be assertive enough to tell um, pilots that they would not participate in um, some activities that they wanted to. So they learned from me, I think, that they were autonomous beings and they could decide their own fate. And so that was a pivotal role in that sense because um, they did not know that at the time. And they were always under um, male leadership that kind of squashed their uh, opportunity to be free thinkers or plan what they wanted to plan. So I think that my role there was paramount for them to succeed and flourish. And now um, many of those um, flight attendants have gone on to make chief master sergeants at different roles in their life. And uh, it has been really rewarding for me to see their growth in that field. That's great that they had a a female role model who they could kind of lean on and and help empower them uh, to, yeah, be more comfortable in their job. Um, Because I'm sure, yeah, if you always operate one way, you think that's the only way that there is to do things and you were able to show them something different. Yes, perfect. So you talked about how you were treated while you were serving. How have you been treated like as a veteran? Oh, it has been amazing um, to be a veteran. If I am wearing anything that describes my service Um, So many people will say thank you for your service. And that really does mean a lot to me. Um, I think um, when you serve, you want to just be treated as a normal human, but at the same time, experience some thank yous along the way. 
Yeah. So I think that's uh, pretty awesome that people say that. Yeah. I feel like thank you is the bare minimum. <laughs> um, what advice would you give to those who wish to support and show appreciation to veterans? I, I think just saying that if you have any clue that a person is a military member, thank them for their service because there is so much, um, I'm sure you guys have heard of veteran suicide and it's a um, tragedy that befalls many people and we don't, we don't want to see that ever happen, you know? So I think a thank you for your service is the greatest praise you could give to a veteran. Absolutely. Yeah. The importance of, of mental health support too, for, yeah, anybody in service, um, is incredibly important and I'm sure, uh, you know, there's always need for more. Um, so I, I think it's a great thing to, to make sure that we let our listeners know that, um, you know, that's something that people need help with too, and not to assume, you know, that everything's just all right as soon as they get out of the military. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, moving on to, to life now, um, you're working for United, you get to, um, fly internationally. Is there a certain place that you typically do your, your flying to, or do you, does it vary? I fly the triple seven now, um, to Rome, to Milan, to Venice. I traveled to Frankfurt. I traveled to Brussels. I traveled to Amsterdam. I've been to Barcelona. So there is a robust network of destinations and layover opportunities that I get to go on. That's fantastic. I wonder if I was on a layover um, in Amsterdam recently. Maybe you were my, maybe you were my, uh, oh, <laughs> my wow. pilot. Um, I was on United, so um, that's pretty cool. But so in this chapter of your life, uh, as a pilot, and you know, you have your children are grown and in college or just out of college. What is motivating you right now? What do you enjoy doing um, and kind of focusing on? Well, I am involved in my community. I am um, a Pennsylvania veteran of distinction. And with that, I was appointed to the Plumstead Township Veterans Committee. And we host um, numerous events. We will host an event at Memorial Day and then at Veterans Day for our community. And we have about 500 veterans living in Plumstead Township. Um, also, I give back to my local VFW 175. And 175 has had their first female adjutant. That is my role on um, the committee. So um, they have me sit at a head table during the meetings. And it's like one hour a week, uh, uh, excuse me, a month. Um, but I feel like I'm contributing there as well. That's fantastic. Um, what advice would you give to Gwyneth girls who kind of want to follow the same path that you did? 
I think that you must be confident in your God-given abilities and skills that you just flourish. You know, I, I don't think there is any way to be timid in today's world or to be um, kind of standoffish. So if you have that God-given confidence and faith in whatever you want to believe in, um, I think that you will succeed. That's great. And yeah, I think Gwena does a good job of fostering that confidence yeah, and, and giving I, everybody opportunities. Yeah. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, Marlena, thank you so much for speaking with us thank today. You. Is um, there anything yeah, you wanted to touch on? I wanted to add one more thing. Sure. Um, I am at Come Fly with MVP on Instagram. And the one motto that I think is paramount to all women supporting women is who are you reaching back for? So in that sense, a senior might be reaching back for you. A alumni might be reaching back for you. Um, but if we can foster that, who are we reaching back for and support women trying to get to the next level? I think that's our way to go. Absolutely. I, yeah, it's all about, you know, helping each other um, along the way. Yeah, and for sure. That's what's also so great about our community is right. We we all want to be there for each other, and we appreciate you sharing your story. That I'm sure will inspire um, someone else who's listening, and um, and they'll pay it forward as well. So thank you. You're so welcome, guys. It was my pleasure um, being with you today. Thank you so much.